Welcome to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway, and this week, it's Brit Week. Yes, I have two guests from the UK. First up today, I have Sam Johnson. Now, Sam I spoke to before when I was working for Word of the Nerd, and I was on their podcast, The Comics Word, and Sam was a guest on the show. I interviewed him about his book, Geek Girl, and it was just starting out. Issue number one was coming out. He had a zero issue first to introduce you to the character Geek Girl. This is his own creation. He is the writer on the book. And now Sam is back. The series has concluded. All four issues have been published and published on time. Now Sam and I have talked before, so this time we get into a lot more fun stuff after we talk about Geek Girl. We're going to talk about Star Wars. We're going to talk about Captain America. We're going to talk about the Marvel Netflix series. So there's a lot more fun in this episode after we talk about the fun that is Geek Girl. And it is a great comic book. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad it came my way while I was working at Word of the Nerd. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it hits all the right beats for a superhero book, but there are consequences and repercussions. This is one of those comics you're not going to find in your comic book shop. This is one of those ones you'd have to go online to get. But there also are digital copies available that you can download, and you can also preview the books online. So definitely worth checking out, and it's really a great conversation. Uh, Sam and I had a good time talking about everything. So this one's hot off the presses. I recorded it on Saturday. I'm editing this podcast the same day I recorded so I can get this to you ASAP, and you can enjoy the conversation that we had. So here now is my interview with Sam Johnson on Creator Talks. Sam, welcome to Creator Talks. Hi, Christopher. Thank you for having me back. It is great to have you back. The first time we talked, and we were talking about Geek Girl, and it had uh, issue one was just coming up at the time. I think it was back like October, uh, September, October time frame, and I was working for Word of the Nerd. And now, mm-hmm. here on my own show, we're here to catch up again about Geek Girl, the adventures of Ruby Kay, and the whole crew. Uh, the, the miniseries now, I believe the last issue, came out in March of this miniseries. Uh, Yes, yes. So all, all four issues are out. All four issues plus the zero issue, which was, I believe, a 12-pager or so uh, that kind of introduced us to uh, Ruby Kay and Summer James and the whole the whole crew there. So uh, how's it feel? You just wrapped up your first arc of Geek Girl. Uh, it's it's good, but as <clears throat> excuse me, as I think is, is probably not uncommon with uh, comic creators, I'm, I'm eager to uh, get things moving with the, uh, the second series so i've written the the first issue which i'm pleased with i'm pleased with the way it's going uh and i think uh with the way things are left in uh geek girl 4 i uh, i hope there's people gonna be uh anticipating what's coming next and waiting for it um and it's uh, a slightly ambiguous ending that we're not quite sure what exactly is going to be coming next Yes, indeed. And for the uninitiated, um, why don't you give us just a, a brief overview of what Geek Girl is about to whet their appetite if they haven't read the series yet? Okay, so Geek Girl is is Ruby Kay, who's a, a popular college chick uh, studying PR. She's used to getting what she wants. Uh, on a whim, she overhears the college brainiac talking about this super tech glasses inventor that imbue the, the wearer with uh, powers. Uh, now, a friend, Stacy's in hearing on this conversation as well, but is somewhat skeptical, very skeptical, but Drewby's drunk enough to sort of go along with the idea. Uh, gets the two guys, Trevor and his pal Jeff, drunk, wins the glasses off them on a game of strip poker, but then when she shows up to uh, to show them off to her friends, the, the, they seem to be having, a, in their perception, at least a negative impact, running her a super klutzy, so the, the beginning of this is she like while she's trying to demonstrate that her powers thing is for real, she accidentally knocks drinks over her friends and in, in her cool kid click, this is anathema to their uh, relationships. So the only person that's kind of down with the whole powers thing and is actually kind of pushing her and supporting her is Summer. Uh, and Summer is the one that comes up with the, what would be a, a traditional idea to you and I as comics fans, which is for Ruby to become a superhero, which is not something that she would necessarily have come up with herself and is not certainly the type of character she has from the outset. Yes, and there are you know, other characters in the book. Now, Summer James is kind of her, uh, her best friend, and she's really um, 
encouraging Ruby to fight evil, fight the villains. Because there are other villains in the series, too. You have uh, Lightning Storm. And we had a chance to finally see in issue three, Mr. Mashup. So Lightning Storm is, is the kind of big bad, the, the catalyst for... Uh ruby cabin to sort of step up because she's she's you know she's sort of going along with summer's idea flying around looking for crime doesn't really know what she's doing and then this lightning storm villain that that's completely new to everyone comes out of nowhere and blasts neon girl the resident superhero in a main way ruby lives through a billboard and hospitalizes her and ruby's kind of put in a position where she's got to step up so uh that's that's the sort of big bad of the series and then mr mashup who's uh, someone we we, uh, we get to know a little bit about from flashbacks in issue two, but issue three, which is actually a, is, is a good one to get on board with, issue three is a, is a jump-on issue, and, and there's like a $1.99 digital version of it, Comixology, and it recaps one and two. Uh, and Mr. Mashup is is this kind of twisted individual who's is uh, is the bastard love child of a alien goddess and a, and a, and a kind of demon, and uh, he left his dimension for this girl, Delphi Matrix. But uh, when she got to experience Earth people and Earth culture, she kind of found them more appealing than the, him and the hellhole she came from. So she's kind of dumped him on Earth uh, after he's given up everything for her. And this has left him uh, a quite, kind of sick and twisted individual. And he has powers that he can use to... Uh, take this vitriol out on the human race and let me just say to people listening that if that makes your head spin you go wow there's a lot going on there is a lot going on but you know reading all four issues sam you've done a great job of writing the story because these are are fairly nuanced characters i mean it is a superhero story Uh, it is action adventure but there's a lot of character building and the baddies aren't just the baddies it isn't simple black and white there's a backstory to why they are the way they are how they became what they became. And you explain that in the books uh, very well in just you know the, the limited space you have in a, in a comic book. But for a miniseries, everything is fleshed out really well, very well written, very easy to follow. The, uh, as you pointed out, issue three is a great jump on point. Yeah, it had been a while since I read issue two, and it recapped what happened in issues one and two. And it, I so much appreciate that in comics, that recap for folks if it's been a while. Uh, for them, where they're trying to, it's truly a jump on point. You know, you can actually dive right into it and get caught up and know what's going on and appreciate everything that's laid out in the book. So, uh, and also, bravo on the cliffhangers in each issue, especially the finale of the series. It makes you say, what is going to happen next? I got to know. So, very well done, uh, issue to issue. Pacing was excellent. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time getting it right, and I, you know, I am a big comics fan, so there are, you know, tropes that I that I want to, you know, sort of use there, like the the cliffhanger. But at the same time, like you're saying about the the villains having not being black and white, I've always sort of had when I when I create problems, I don't sort of naturally come up with villains that just want to take over the world and that kind of thing although in in the almighties we have we have got that but it's it's in a more humoristic way so in one of the reviews uh lightning storm is is we don't know what she's about in issue one or other than she's taking down superheroes we don't know quite what her motivations are and and uh, there's a, a curveball thrown into that in issue three but when we get to know her in issue four and and um one of the reviewers commented on this. She kind of, she, the reviewer found her kind of sympathizing with where she was coming from, despite the, the sort of horror of her actions where she's using her powers to basically, you know, obliterate people and fry them. Um, but where she's coming from is, can be something relatable. It's kind of, this is kind of defining in, in some ways um, of a character in terms of she's had a hard time she goes in one direction, Ruby has a hard time, and then by the time we get to three, she's going in a, in a, in a heroic direction, which is not something that, uh, as I say, Ruby is, is just used to doing what she wants and getting what she wants, but when she's given these, these powers and put in this position, she can go one way or another, and um, as I say, as we mentioned with issue three being a good jump, and that's where she sort of properly becomes this, this superhero, and that's where it starts building towards her 
being able to actually put herself in a position where she can take on Lightning Storm, who is, you know, frankly, leagues above her. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is true that it's it's very well put that there is one that follows the the path of right, going with the the good of the force, and the other one taking the dark path uh, with their powers. And yeah, she does. A lightning storm does obliterate people. I mean, it is it is surprising. This isn't uh, a sugar coated comic book. There are consequences and repercussions for what happens. But again, like you said, she's almost a sympathetic character when you understand what she's been through and what led her to that point. Um, so very well done, very well written. And uh, again, I have to give props to your artist. Our Carlos Granada has been consistent, great, and they're just really fun characters to look at and read because it really, it really makes the book colorful and fun, even though there are some really heavy scenes in there in some cases. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the art balance is, is just right because, the, you know, it, it, the, the sort of, there is humor in the book. It has, it has light and it has dark. Um, and I think... Carlos, Carlos's art is, is just on the right level. You don't want it any more cartoony, but it, it does have a very sort of pleasing uh, look to it, which is, which is nice as well, given that it's loaded with attractive females, uh, Ruby in particular. Um, and, he, you know, he makes them all look distinctive. He's very good with expressions, but he can do the... I mean, you know, issue four is, is, is mostly... Geek Girl versus Lightning Storm, and he and he can certainly deliver on the action as well. And I like uh, Ruby's superhero and communications device, her iPhone, which she leaves in her boot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is you know, Ruby is 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 now, and you know, people of uh, well, not necessarily people of, of a certain age, but but people of Ruby's kind of early twenties age tend to be very big on their on their phones. Uh, and like you know, issue three, we've got the the cover, which is the the cover artist idea. William Kaledja is is she's just knocked out these two uh, kind of D-list supervillains, and she's got one of them in a, in like a headlock while he's unconscious, while she's smiling, taking a selfie of herself. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I think as far as I'm aware, that's that's not something that's been had before. Where summer, as I say, is is quite integral to the whole geek girl thing, and so Ruby is is kind of in communication with her a lot of the time, which flying around with a with a cell phone, and like in in three when she knocks out the, these loser villains, a a game, a Juan and uh, Miss Monsieur he, Monsieur A. After she knocks them out, she's like, "Summer's been listening on the phone." So Ruby's like asking her how how good uh, was my was my hero banter okay? Uh, was my wise cracking up to scratch? And Summer's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's cool." So uh, yeah, it's uh, it gives them that uh, that connection where Summer's like more involved than more than she possibly could be without a, a phone being there. Yeah, and with this series, you've had uh, for some of the issues variant covers too. You've had some other artists step in and produce special covers for you tell me about those artists yeah i mean the the um william Kaledger is the the art the cover artist on issue three but the the reason he's the main cover artist on that is because uh because we originally his cover was going to be the variant the selfie one but because we made it a jump on issue the cover uh, the main cover by carlos has mr mashup so if we wanted people to jump on with the issue we want you know, geek girl on the cover, but he's he also did a cover, a variant cover for four. So both, I mean, the covers for four are all like Lightning Storm versus Geek Girl, but quite quite different uh, angles and styles used in in his versus Carlos. And uh, yeah, we've we've got a few. We had uh, Ivan Sanago did a, a cool one. We released uh, to to tie in with issue three and the jump on thing. We released new variants of one and two, and he's he's done a cool one of two where it's like Geek Girl in a comic shop and all the the. Uh, the comic boys in there drooling over her, and uh, we had John Royal, who's the the, artist, the main artist on Jack Danger Girl, following on from J. Scott Campbell, and he he did a great one for issue one, and there's like limited versions of that, like black and white versions, so you can see sort of the art on its on its own. Uh, it's really nice stuff. Carlos Villas has done like a quite a issue two is a very character driven issue, but there is a, a villain in it. Uh, called Nina Dante, who's uh, like an alt girl with a cybernetic eye. And uh, Carlos Villas did an alt, alt cover for that, 
which is quite photorealistic. So we've got a few styles going on, and, and you know, the, a lot of them are limited editions, so they're quite collectible. And um, yeah, I'm really happy with with what we've done with the covers. So you know, because it's, it's a very good looking book inside, and um, you know, with that's all Carlos, but all the external cover artists have, have really delivered as well. It's 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 yeah, it's I'm very pleased with all of it. Yeah, it's a great book inside and out. And we had talked before too how you had been scripting a lot of these way ahead to get this all worked out, which is why it, it flows so well and is so seamless. And you said you already started working on the next issue. So what are your plans for that as far as getting that all scripted out the next run of this uh, you had talked about at some point possibly doing this as an ongoing but first you wanted to complete the mini series so you had that finished and then yeah. take it from there and i know that uh marcosia the who is actually publishing this book is very interested in continuing the series so when do you think we'll see something where we continue the series right so this this is the thing which you know is a, a thing with when you when you're in when you're doing indie comics it took a long time to get the the first miniseries done and it was important like you say for it to flow i didn't want to have issue one come out and then people are waiting eight months for issue two so i wanted all four issues finished before we put any out so whereas i've scripted issue one of uh the, uh, the second series and you know it's happening that was part of the deal when when I signed with Marcosia that there would be you know they were they were up for a second series irrespective of what happened with the first and that was a really nice thing to have because it, you know it meant I could think beyond the second series um, but in terms of when it's going to happen at the moment I really couldn't say I mean Carlos is if all being well, Carlos will be on board again, and he's just done uh, the first cover. Um, I've started work on the second issue, but as it stands at the moment, we need like because I don't I'm I'm at least so far haven't been into the whole Kickstarter thing. So these things, you know, Carlos needs paying, and and um, you know that it's it's quite an expensive thing to do. So. As it stands, I, I'm continuing fleshing out what, what goes beyond issue one of the second series. Um, but in terms of getting the artist started on it, we've got to have the sort of finances in place to do that. So I can't see that happening before, like, Marcosia release the collection and we start to see some returns on that. But what I will say about it is I've got, like, the, the geekgirlcomics.com website now, uh, the front page of it is set up as a like a, a mailing list thing. So if you if you join that just by putting your email into this, you'll you'll receive any any updates on it. And um, yeah, as I say the first issue is scripted. I know where I'm going with. It. I'm very happy with where I'm going with. It. I'm I'm interested in things that are going to be coming into play in it. Um, you're going to see for for people that have heard me talk about my work before. Uh, my biggest influence is, is Doom Patrol, uh, Grant Morrison's run, and now Gerard Way's. And uh, things are quite weird, well, very weird in that. And there's always that influence in my work. Uh, it's not, not a huge part of the first Geek Girl series, but uh, the, the kind of weirdness. But you, it comes through in, like, Mr. Mashup. I think there's an element in Lightning Storm, and, and you're going to see more of that influence, which is something I really enjoy i mean gerard way's uh run on doom patrol he's, he's knocked it out of the park and it's my i'm loving loving it my favorite comic at the moment easily i really can appreciate you know the way you're approaching this with the mini series because it's become very much uh the, the way publishers are doing some books now uh like dark horse uh dynamite they do a mini series the book may be may go away for like six months but uh the thing is it comes back and there's another mini series so that that cadence that that rhythm continues it's just done in chunks which is mm -hmm. fine it's just, the reader knows what to expect and your mini series came out on time like one after another month after month and then you know there wasn't any great waiting in between issues which makes a lot of sense so uh, mm. i'm looking forward to more you mentioned kickstarter do you think you would go that route because i know it takes a lot of preparation and planning just to launch a campaign you have to prepare months in advance before you actually go for a kickstarter campaign yeah i mean it's it's not it's kind of not my sensibility i mean i've i've, I've been able to to fund 
Geek Girl, you know, the first series without it. And, um, you know, there is certainly the potential to do that there if, you know, if the collection does well enough that I can, you know, be, be paying Carlos for the second series from the profits I make from that beyond what he receives as, as payment from the first one. Um, then, um, you know, that, that could, that could, you know, sort of answer the question. Um, and you know, he's, he's up for it, um, you know, schedule permitting. So that's, that's as far as I'm thinking with that. Cause I don't think it will be a very, it's not, though there is no release date yet. Um, Marcosia don't tend to wait too long before releasing the collection. So I'm not really thinking be, beyond that at the moment, if, if that, doesn't you know pan out as i'd like then i'll then i'll look at other ways to to fund it but that's my hope and i mean i'm still you know promoting the um the single issue so there's still you know money going into the bank from that which you know potentially could get things started even before we've started with the artwork even before we've we're seeing returns on the on the uh collection people can look forward to a collection at some point and i like reading collections too but you know if they want to jump on and get some of these uh single copies especially the limited edition covers you know they should go to your website and check those out because they're really really great so and i would encourage them just to do that because hey it helps you it helps fund the series so we can see more um you know tell me about your plans that you can about marketing the series getting the word out there because i would assume by now you probably generate a pretty decent following for what you produce so far yeah, I mean the the Geek Girl Facebook group. There's like eighteen thousand in that, and um, yeah, there is a following. I mean, the thing um, that I haven't been doing recently so much that is now going to start kicking in is conventions. So I've got like um, the these are UK ones as it stands. Um, though I do hope to do US ones at some point, but some quite big ones in the UK coming up. There's after there's a, a smaller one called the, the Oldham Comic Con, which is in May. And then following that, we've got the Yorkshire Cosplay Con, which is at Sheffield Arena. So that's, that's a big one. And then the London Supercon, which is, which is one of the biggest cons in England. They have a lot of big name guests there. Uh, that one, whereas the, the two I've just mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm doing as, as my own thing I, on that one. I'll be at the Macosia table um and obviously we'll have all four issues so that's uh, that's going to be a good thing so uh, a lot of what i'm doing at the moment is sort of i mean there's a free uh digital comic so if you go to if you join the geek girl facebook group or if in fact if you join the the mailing list that i've mentioned at geekgirlcomics.com you automatically get emailed the the free preview digital comic so you can you know check that out and Obviously, at geekgirlcomics.com, you can get all the issues. You can get them in print. You can get these these uh, limited ones you mentioned. You can get them at Comixology. So it's still very much around. I'm still promoting it. And I, I'm luckily that I actually, you know, some people, they just want to do the drawing, do the writing, and, and, and move on. But luckily, I, I quite enjoy doing promos. So I'm happy to uh, keep running with that. And I've, and I've seen, you know, sales are still coming in on, on the issues, even though um, you know it's been since March since the fourth one came out, and issue issue three actually, I've, I've been seeing more sales come in on, and that's that's something I'm going to be pushing now because it is, you know, it's it's it is really designed as as a very accessible thing. As I say, if you get the digital one, it's only a buck ninety nine. Print one's two dollars ninety nine, and it, it you know there's a two special two page recap telling you everything you need to know. So if you don't come on from issue one, that that gets you on board very accessibly absolutely it certainly does now the signings that you've been at the conventions that you've been at to date you know how's the fan reception been have you talked to a lot of folks that have stopped by the table because that's i think one of the best ways to get the word out there once people have a chance to meet you or podcasts such as this where they get a chance to hear about you and your story and your passion for the book it really helps to get people's attention because it's really hard i think (laughs) to stand out from all the books out there, which is a good problem to have. I mean, there's a lot of great things to read right now, so it's it's the heyday for fans, the golden age of comics again. Yeah. But, you know, how do you break out? You know, how do you get people to notice that, hey, this is a worthy product worth making time and a little space in your budget, which you've done very well with the jump-on issues. Great, great teaser there at a great price. 
Yeah. How, how do you, you know, break out of all that noise? And again, I said meeting people. So what, what kind of reception have you had? Well, yeah, the thing, the thing with conventions, as I say, there's not really since the mini series, um, I haven't, there hasn't been much, uh, happening with that. But when I had geek girl zero app, because that, that's how we got to the, you know, the amount of people we have in the geek girl Facebook group, we had three printings of geek girl zero that also kept it, you know, sort of in, in the public eye while we were, you know, building the mini series. Uh, and that's, that's been really good. I mean, the first, uh, convention I did leads thought bubble was with geek girl zero and that was great and it's you know it is useful having the 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 social media as because it is now because i i find that a lot of people that will come up and and buy geek girl have heard about it on facebook and it has you know the her look with the glasses and and the costume is is quite a, an iconic eye-catching look and i've had just like I remember like at one convention, it's like a, a mom came past with like a, a young daughter and a young daughter just pointing up and like, oh, geek girl. And like, you know, without knowing sort of anything about the product or, or, or the comic or anything. So it's, you know, it's it's got a cool look. And my friend Amy cosplays and um, hopefully, uh, well, I can't, she's, she's only, well, she's actually just now about to squeeze one out, as they say on Donnie Darko. So it won't have been that long <laughs> since uh, since she's had a, another baby. So whether she'll be ready, I don't know, for the, the Yorkshire Cosplay Con, which I think is July, June or July. Um, but she she's cosplayed as, as Geek Girl before. So if, if she's, you know, up for doing that then she'll be there with me at that one in in the full geek girl costume which is which is a cool uh thing to have especially at a cosplay convention but yeah i mean the cosplay thing is is great i mean it's like you know i want i want to hear what what people are saying it's like i'm not you know writing this this stuff for my own amusement in a vacuum it's it's really important to get feedback on it and it's like it because like some of my friends that buy it you know you, you'll have friends that will buy it these things like just because it's it's you um and won't necessarily read it and it's like a, a friend of mine serena like you know won't take it she's got like one of the limit editions and won't take it out of the, the plastic packaging and it's like well i want to know what you hear i want to know <laughs> what you think about it uh yeah it's uh so yeah cons are, are really really good for that uh and yeah and, and it's you know it's nice to, to meet the people as well that you you otherwise only know from facebook so yeah that, that can be a good thing i mean there's, there's so many of them now it it can be hit and miss but if if you get the right one it's it's a really enjoyable experience Oh, it's true. There are so many cons now, uh, now stateside. And I know that's a matter of funding, you know, when you can swing it, because I can only do so many cons myself, because it can cut yeah. into the budget quite a bit. You know, you have to stay someplace, you have to eat. Uh, yeah. But, you know, when you get a chance, like in the States, there are huge ones like the New York City Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con, and they're expensive. Uh, what I like here on the East Coast, uh, which is probably closest for you, are very creator-based type conventions. They're not big um, Hollywood plugins for movies and TV. Like um, yeah. the one in Baltimore that I do every year, that's very uh, creator-driven. Uh, Heroes Con in North Carolina, I'm going to go there this year because it's it's very similar to the Baltimore, very creator-driven. And there's a, a newer one in New Jersey, the New Jersey Comics Expo. So those are, you know, when you get around to that, those are the kinds I think that you would enjoy because they are so creator driven and not uh, more overshadowed by hollywood yeah yeah no I, I yeah i think i've got some sort of sense of, of the scene and and yeah i, I agree uh, although you know i would certainly enjoy doing something like a, a san diego go uh, i imagine it'd be quite an experience oh yes absolutely i'd like to go someday but that is something i'd have to prepare for <laughs> probably oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and like a year in advance win, win the lottery of right. getting the actual <laughs> ticket in the first place yes yeah yeah. Hey, I'm not trying to pile on here, but you did mention uh, last discussion. I know you're super busy with uh, Geek Girl getting this ready for the next run. You had mentioned uh, another book of yours, Cabrasini Voodoo Junkie Hitman, um, that you yeah. were going to work on after Geek Girl. Is you still have plans to do that, or has that changed now? That's that's that. I mean, Car Cabra, um 
Chini as as everyone mispronounces it as Carvacini because that's the spelling of it, and I'm kind of cursing myself a bit for <laughs> spelling it that way because I have to do this every time. Uh, but yeah, Carvacini, uh, the the ex crackhorn turned supernatural hitwoman, is uh, is like Geek Girl is is a big character arc thing there, and and is, is something I'm very invested in. We it's almost done. There's four pages to. Uh, four and a bit pages to complete and then it's done uh for a few mini again but the the thing that i've learned whereas my intention was to more or less go straight on geek girl uh get on straight back onto that after geek girl is it's a lot of work promoting a mini series and you've got to have the time to really push it because what i've had out before the geek girl mini series were were one shots like the almighty's my, my comedic super team we've had a couple of those so if you're promoting one comic and you know as you say you want to you want to get noticed you want to get heard among all the you know the, the many many comics there are out there um if it's just one issue you're promoting then you can you know you can devote that time to to maximizing that um when I had the Geek Girl miniseries out monthly, I, though I could do that, it took up a lot of time. So I want, kind of want to break from that at the moment. Um, so what would, though Carbaccini is, is there and will be happening, um, as I say, it's, it's not far from completion. I want to have, you know, the, the time to devote to promoting it properly. And I also, you know, want some time off having just spent, you know, basically five plus months solid promoting geek girl at every opportunity so at the moment what we're, we're doing is is the next almighty's which is uh, the third almighty's one shot which is the almighty's afterbirth one uh which from the title you may infer there's a, a parody element the almighty's uh the first one we did was it was a kind of like parodied big marvel events and uh, the, the Almighty's comprise Machitron, who's an armoured egomaniac, Miss F, former downtrodden housewife turned swinging superheroine, Mason, former black ops, borderline psychopath, uh, Nightfang, cocky British punk, uh, slash werewolf, and Stephanos, who's a guy that runs a takeout and has no reasonable explanation for being on the team. Now, these are co-created. Some of those characters are mine. Some of them are uh, Mike Gagnos. And we have a lot of fun doing this book. It's 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 very comedic, and uh, as I say, there's always this parody element, hence the Almighty's Afterbirth title. And this uh, this goes at a much slower pace, uh, getting it done because Eleonora, the main artist, is, she teaches. Mike also teaches, so it's fitting it in. But that one, we're we're quite far through now. We're we're in up to about 15 pages of the next one shot which is going to see as i, I alluded to earlier a uh kind of typical um maligned villain looking to take over the earth but we're putting a quite comedic uh spin on it uh the villain being mr mucky and the loch ness monster being uh one of the uh the monsters he employs to do this and, and the problem the almighties have got is they got disbanded after they found out the sort of reasons behind why they were put together, which I can't reveal without blowing uh, the Almighty's one without, for those that haven't read it. Um, but they've been put back together by Joe Cyborg, who's a, a sort of shady individual that works in an undisclosed role at the White House. And he's brought them back together to be his like top secret strike team but not everyone is on board with this. So they're not kind of running at full capacity and they're up against this threat that is turns out to be quite uh, substantial and getting bigger. And there's internal conflict between uh, Nightfang and, uh, and Joe Cyborg because when Joe Cyborg sent them all an email, top secret, ultra classified to join the team, it also destroyed their computers for the, the, the necessity, necessity of secrecy. And Nightfang isn't too happy that, he's, that Joe Cyborg has wiped out his porn collection. So uh, <laughs> there's a bit, a bit of, you know, undercurrent of tension there. And, uh, and uh, Miss F and Maxitron off the back of what went on when they met in, in the Almighty's One and Now a Couple, uh, but things aren't going too well in the bedroom for them. So there's some, you know, while they're battling these 
villains there's some very in- inappropriate conversations going on that are quite amusing to the villains uh while they while they take out their frustrations on their uh their fellow almighty's members all right oh thank you for teeing it up for us uh, something to look forward to yeah uh, uh it's yeah certainly it's a lot more offbeat than uh than geek girl there's like geek girl there's a um there's a free comic almighty's origins uh, the website is almightiesamass.com, which you might pick up. Well, that's a, uh, a nod to. And that's got the free digital comic Almighty's Origins on it, so you can check it out and see if uh, the Almighty's is for you. The sensibility I would I, I compare it most to is Family Guy. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's quite unhinged. Uh, um, I mean, as I say, with Stefanos in issue one there's this whole thing where he's got like three jobs on the go one of which is the back in the day being a, a confident and advisor to barack obama and all this guy does is like sell kebabs and stuff there's there's just no apparent reason why he's involved in any of this uh, sort of high high uh, power stuff but uh, it seems to somehow work and and you know it, it was a very trusted uh, member of obama's team Okay, so that's one fans can check out or new fans can check out and they can get a, a sneak peek with that uh, free issue. Yeah. Since I have you here, I wanted to ask you about a few other things, just some fun things. Uh, and now, I remember from my last conversation, you're not a big sci-fi fan, but you are a fan of Star Wars. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, what was the first Star Wars film that you saw? Did you start at the beginning and when did you see it and how did you feel? Oh, when you yeah. Saw it? I, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, Older than I appear, I'm 43. <laughs> okay. So I I saw the first the first first one as in episode four back in the day at the cinema. And ah yes. Just fell in love with it. Um, I mean I still remember the, the sort of feel of it with um, C3PO and Arto going through the sand dunes. It just had a, an amazing feel, which I think they've done very well in recapturing with um, Force Awakens. And uh, certainly looking forward to the next one. I'm, I'm really, you know, it's it's been it's been put back on its feet after the the problems they were with the prequels, and uh, and I'm I'm enjoying the the Star Wars comics from Marvel as well. Oh yes, they're great. They really are good, especially that Darth Vader series that they had. Uh, the yeah, Vader Down was. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some cool stuff there. Um, and again, like the Star Wars and the Darth Vader. It, they hit the right feel. I don't think that when when they do Star Wars series, I don't think they always re- successfully manage to recapture that feel that you get from the films from the first, the original three, and from the Force Awakens, and and in certainly Star Wars, the singular ongoing and Darth Vader, they do, and that's a very uh, cool thing. No, I've had a lot of fun reading those, especially. There was a miniseries, uh, Lando Carizian. Like, I'm watching the movie. The, the, the voices are right. The tone's right. It just takes me right back there. Um, yeah. Did you, like I did, go out and see the special editions when they came out to kind of get everyone ready for the prequels? Uh, well, I've, I think there's been more than one oh, special yes. edition. I, I, <laughs> I, I saw uh, the mistake I made was, this was back in my student days, when they first released the like the when they you know threw Jabba the Hutt into Star Wars and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and we like we just watched this was just a bad move we just watched it on the original one on DVD right before it came out with the remastered so it was just like it was like too much it's like i know exactly what's going to happen every moment before it does so that kind of <laughs> detracted from that quite a lot i don't think the special editions added much anyway um but <clears throat> the originals stand up um rogue one i enjoyed although like i'm on about the feel i don't feel that that fully had that that star wars feel the way that force awakens did um and i didn't sort of come away sort of thinking about it as much which i always take as a a good film is where you're sort of still thinking about it afterwards i enjoyed it but force awakens was uh was the big one to follow for me and, and i've got high hopes for the last jedi Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I was excited about that. I did. I did really enjoy Force Awakens, um, and I see that they have a young Han Solo series that they're planning on working on, and they have um, picked an actor to uh, play the young Han Solo, Alden. I can't say his last name. I'll try. It's like Einreich, I think it is. And 
I don't know much about the actor. I, I think he was in Hail Caesar, and I haven't seen it yet. I want to see that film, but when I looked at him, I was like, wow, that guy looks like a young Harrison Ford. He has the right kind of wry smile that Harrison yeah. Ford would have. So I was like, that's... And it took six months to cast him, apparently. Right. So they're they're doing it right. I mean, they're taking their time and really going through and finding the right people to play these roles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw a, a pic, like a group shot from it the other day, and I, I thought both Han and, and Lando had a good uh, resemblance. And... It's also good what I think partly worked for The Force Awakens that worked against the prequels is having, you know, unknown or relatively unknown actors because you kind of invest more in them. You buy more into them as a character rather than here's Samuel Jackson in a Jedi costume. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It really does help me if I don't know the actor. They're not already... I don't want to say, well, maybe like I could say typecast, you know, you're kind of set seeing them in other roles and it's hard to see them in this role. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. really cool, great actor, but as a Jedi, I was like, oh, I just don't quite feel it. I see him as, no. I'm still thinking like Pulp Fiction. I'm just having problems with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Do you have any uh, collectibles, um, Star Wars collectibles, since you're such a big fan? No, I mean, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a sort of, as, as you say, I'm not like a sort of sci-fi geek. It's, okay. it's just, I, I don't, you know, have a sort of rabid collectorism type thing. It's just, I, you know, I, I the, the stand out in sci-fi for me because they just have such a special feel, which I really enjoy, um, which is, you know, the, the soundtrack is, is an important part of that as well. And um, yeah, but having you know, having said that, I'm very much looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy two, and that the soundtrack there, as if like the first one is integral, and that's you know that's a sci-fi, and that's got its own thing, and that's that's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that was a, a breakout hit, and the soundtrack was so integral to it. I really yeah. enjoyed that. That that was a surprise to me. I did not expect that to be uh, as big as it was when I first heard about it being no. announced. I was like, really? That team? It seems yeah. it seemed like a big film. But, uh, no. yeah. Well, I think there was, you know, if, if, if you can remember back in the day, there was concerns. Is this going to be the one that sort of derails Marvel's line of success? Because it wasn't that. I mean, you know, you've got a talking tree that just says, <laughs> I am Groot. This isn't something you would necessarily think, you know, the world would take to their hearts. Uh, but they have. And I think it's partly the, the casting was great. I mean, Chris Pratt just beautiful oh, yeah. as, as Starlord, absolutely nailed it and like with Drax the the guy brings some good humor to him that I, I don't think was necessarily always there in the comics um and it just really worked that collective really worked and I know like whereas with with Bendis's run on Guardians he's, he's brought in other characters and now to tie in with the movie they're going back to that that sort of core lineup because it, it does really work well um and you know I've, I've no doubt it's i've having seen the trailers i've no doubt it's going to be a good film yeah i think because it was the first film was such a kind of sleeper like the expectations were low and it was yeah. just so much fun from the get-go yeah. but i mean that people who haven't seen it i can't believe there's people that haven't seen it yet but that just that opening scene as a young boy I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was like heartbreak and then, bam, action. And it was fun. And I was like, wow, they really nailed that. They hit that one out of the park. Yeah. Just, well, I mean, when you've got the, the introduction to Star-Lord as an adult, when he's just mm -hmm. rocking around with his headset on while he's going through the, you know, the, the alien world, it's, it's great. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take itself seriously. And it has a really good feel to it as a result, um, similarly to, to Deadpool. Well, yes. Deadpool is, is uh, you know, is Deadpool is Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one, too. Have you got anywhere with Iron Fist? Yes, I have. I um, I pushed through the whole thing. Um, pushed through. I pushed through, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had high hopes. I wanted to really like it. And the, the problem I had was the pacing was a bit slow in parts. And that tends to happen with some of the Netflix, uh, Marvel Netflix series, where they get a bit slow and like it's just a little too long, like maybe four episodes less. And I was disappointed with the lack of martial arts sharpness. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've only done the first episode yet. I mean, okay. but the, 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 there's problems with it. And one of it, I, I think 
they change this and it gets better at some point. But it's like the first episode, it's blatantly when this Iron Fist is supposed to be cracking people. He's nowhere near him. You can see it. You know, it, the, the choreography was was off. The character was was played as a as an oddball in the first one. I understand you you sort of get to know why he is how he is, and he and he becomes a bit more rounded. But um, whereas yeah, they they can sometimes get a bit slow. Whereas Cage, at it is a is a is a strong character, and and the way it was had a very stylistic feel to it. You don't have either of those things in Iron Fist. So whereas that. I'll keep coming back to, and I will, I, you know, as I say, I don't binge watch things, but I 100% will, will complete that series. Iron Fist, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, th- I think if I haven't got far with it by the time Defenders comes up, I'll just go straight to that. I think that's a good plan. Um, and I understand that the actor uh, that plays Iron Fist only had a couple of weeks to actually learn martial arts. Okay. Uh, and that's that's not adequate. I mean, it, for, so <laughs> given a couple of weeks, it looked okay. I mean, I'll give him props for that, but that's not fair to him to say, okay, you know, we've cast you. You're not a you're not a martial artist, and it's, you can't really fake that. Um, no. You know, I, I mean, compared to, and I just went through and pretty much I did binge watch uh, Into the Badlands, which is on AMC. Yeah. That is a whole different level. Yes, there's wire work, but the martial arts there is really. Uh, bone snapping, cracking. It is like really high action. I'm like, now why couldn't they do that with Iron Fist with one actor who's really good at it? Because he is supposed to be the Iron Fist, like the best martial artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And does it not get better in that regard? <sighs> A little. There are some better um, fight scenes that that appear later in the film. I think, I think what and I've heard this criticism before, and I agree 100%, they shouldn't have been shy about giving him a mask. Um, you will see in one episode where he picks up one randomly, which was a brilliant move, and it was very organic how they worked it into the script. Um, it wasn't like a superhero disguise. It was really just kind of a disguise to hide. But then you could put a stunt person in, and you could see some real yeah. martial arts go flying. Like yeah. in Daredevil, he wore a mask, so you could put in a, a you know a stuntman who matches his physique and... And that's why that was so good. So they, I think they really need to go that direction at some point to really fix that. So he picks up a mask, but what doesn't wear it? In a, he's at a, he's hiding from someone chasing him down, trying to eliminate him, and he picks up a, a mask at a like a Chinese street festival and just pops it on to kind of hide. So it's like one of those uh, dragon masks, and he doesn't keep it. Now that would have been great just to keep that as a disguise, and then they could have just gone with the martial arts and really amped up the level of it but they yeah. didn't. So there are better fight scenes that come up later. And, you know, in terms of martial arts, I get it. I mean, in, in the real world, it isn't always beautiful and smooth. It can be a little sloppy, but effective. But for Hollywood, you know, it just, it's it wasn't quite at the level of the Daredevil fight scenes, which were no, very no. good. But, you know, hang with it. I mean, I think it'll improve. I hope it does after this series. I don't know if it'll be back as a second series. They've talked about it, but... They have to make some serious changes. Hopefully, um, Defenders fixes some of that. And maybe they'll follow suit as they did in the comics and pair up Luke Cage with Iron Fist, which would be a nice dynamic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, see, that's that's something that's going to be very important in the Defenders is whether there's going to be chemistry between those two, because that's what it's going to hinge on. If, if, if those actors don't gel, then it's it's not really happening. If they do, it'll take it to the next level. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I've read the original Power Man Iron Fist series, or at least most of it. Um, and I read the most recent one that was out, too, by David F. Walker. So, uh, and that was kind of, you know, that one was really a lot of fun. That had a different tone from the one back in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. I'm, I'm re I'm behind on that, but I'm, I'm reading it and I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, uh, there's some really great lines in there. I love, but it's, it's worth, definitely worth reading. And that one just ended breaking them off into two separate books, one for Iron Fist, one for Luke Cage. And they're going to have a Defender series come out from Marvel. I think like around August to tie it with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Daredevil. And Iron Fist. So I'll, I am looking. I think Bendis is writing that. He is. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll be all all over that. I mean, I'm I'm liking. Are you reading the new Jessica Jones? I did not pick up the comic book. I should have. I wanted to squeeze that in. Yeah. I mean, the, the first trade will be just about out. I think and be out in the next couple of months. So I'd, I'd recommend it. It's it's good. Yeah. Bendis is writing that, I believe. 
is it Michael Gatos doing the artwork on that one? Yeah. I think? Okay, good. Yeah, because both of them, I, I really am impressed by both the writing and the art. Because I love Gatos's art. What's good about it? It's, it's kind of unique to it. Is it goes into these sort of corners of the Marvel universe. So what they they've got going on at the moment is like, did you follow the whole Secret Wars thing? I uh, I had to step away from that. I have some idea oh, what were? happened. I mean, there's just there's just too much going on. I couldn't I couldn't right. follow everything, but. Uh... But please uh, continue. I want to. I want to hear how this ties in. So, so basically, what happened with that was like all these parallel dimensions got wiped out, and almost everything got wiped out. And then the Richards family, with the Molecule Man, are, are sort of behind the scenes rebuilding the universe. But no one, or hardly anyone, even remembers this happening. But Jessica Jones has stumbled on something and, and there are certain people like Iron Man and Captain Marvel that do know it happened, but like no one talks about it. What happens in Jessica Jones is this uh, alternate reality guy has ended up in our universe and basically just is like nothing matters where I come from. Everyone's been destroyed. And uh, he's kind of just like, yeah, his actions like he kills his wife. Um, just because he's kind of just lost it, like nothing matters. You know, my entire universe has been wiped out and no one's even acknowledging that it happened. So he's, he's become this, you know, kind of nihilist. Um, so, it, yeah, it's interesting. And the, the stuff tying into stuff that was going on in... Uh, are you on this Captain America thing at all? I'm not. I have heard the buzz about it and have been following what's occurring with uh, a Hail Hydra cap. It's 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 a it's quite a big ask to to go with this, and I've I've come in and out of it, and I've I've like I was reading something yesterday about how Marvel want comic shop people to dress up as Hydra now to promote it, which has gone down like a sack of shit. Uh, so it's the thing with it that I'm open because it is you know you've got Captain America who's now the antithesis of everything Captain America stands for. Because, I mean, do you know that how this has happened? This apparently kind of rewrites some of his history that he's uh, agent of HYDRA, I believe. Yeah. So what, what's happened is, do you know when he lost the, the super soldier and he turned yes. like, into an old guy? Yeah. Um, so he was, he was, he was at, like, uh, Crossbones was going to kill him. And then Kobik, who's this cosmic cube that's sort of taken the form of a little girl so she kind of has this power but has the mentality of a, of a little girl she saved captain america from being killed by crossbones by giving him his super soldier and making him back to what he was but because she'd been like brainwashed by the red skull she was making him the best he could be and because she'd always been told by the Red Skull that that's Hydra, she's like changed his history. So he's always been Hydra. I mean, I say the whole thing, you've got to suspend disbelief a bit. Um, and we're not, it's not been actually said whether it's just his memories or actual history that have been changed. That hasn't been stated yet. But one thing that I, I say, I, I'm toed and froed from it but the secret empire zero i just read a, a review of and the thing that's kind of got me back onto it is saying that basically this is steve rogers all is what happens in secret empire zero and how he he sort of explains what he's doing it's all his character it's just that he's been flipped you know so that he thinks hydra is the right thing so apparently that does make it kind of make more sense as i say it is you're constantly you know checking <laughs> disbelief but um I, I my hope is it will be like you know superior spider-man where at first everyone was like ugh, and then i absolutely love that in the end that was great and as i'm much more into dr octopus than i was before it now Oh, yeah, there was some backlash to that initially, but then fans loved it. And this could be the same case. I mean, if things stayed status quo, like some fans vocalize about and, and are incensed about if it's not, 
uh, let's face it, the sales go down, people get bored, and they move on. But if they do something that really shakes things up, even if it's a little disturbing, well, that's fine. Sometimes movies are that way. Or even like the sitcoms we like, they might be a little disturbing. That's, oh, oh man, why did that? But that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like I always remember Stanley on about the, the sort of illusion of change. So, you know, mm-hmm. Captain America is going to go back to being Captain America at the end of all this. But it is, I do understand problems with it. I mean, you know, it, it affects making him a Nazi is is you know it's quite troubling especially in the political climate we're in where it would kind of be nice to have like a you know icon that you can count on it's interesting and I'm, I'm going to give the the secret empire thing a go because it's quite daring to do as well because there has been a lot of criticism of it and they are you know they're sticking with it i might have to check it out i think you've convinced me secret empire zero is the only one that came out i think last week um so if you can still get that apparently you can get on board with that apparently it kind of tells you what you've been missing in captain america okay i can i can check that out and the nice thing about this day and age is that there's also things available digitally so if you miss it you know you're not not like back in the day where that's it. You have to go hunt yeah. the book down someplace. Just a few questions to wrap up. These, again, are fun questions. It's a section I call uh, rest and relaxation. And I'd like to know, when you're not writing, what do you like to do for rest and relaxation to kick back? Well, I, I enjoy uh, sitcoms. Um, I'm into What am I into at the moment? There's a, a show called Getting On in, in the UK, which I, I doubt you'll have heard of outside, which is like it's it's kind of bleak um but it's because it, it's set in like an old old people's hospital ward um and about how the, the nurses get kind of ham, hamstrung with red tape and all this kind of stuff but it's joe brand is is the main one in it and, and she's a big name here comedian and uh it's it's that's it it somehow you know what what on and the way it's shot is all kind of gray and stuff but it's the characters like lift it her in particular uh and i really really enjoy that because i'm not like a binge watcher but i've been getting this three series of that which i don't know if you'd get it's on it's on netflix in the uk i don't know if you'd get it in uh outside of that but that's that's great um kimmy schmidt i like i mean i'm looking forward to that that comes back in may uh so yeah the things that i enjoy most are uh Watching sitcoms generally with alcohol. Ah, okay, good. Well, that's that's another question that's coming up. Um, but I did want to say that this is an old show. I think it was on HBO, uh, but it was called Extras with Ricky Gervais. And I I don't know if you've seen it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I thought you would like that. That'd be like right up your alley. Yeah. That no, could... it's it's really good. I mean that pitched up on netflix as well recently and that whereas the first series uh i i initially wasn't that crazy about i really liked the second series when uh ricky's character gets his his own sitcom which is just like the most terrible cliched (laughs) sitcom in the history of the world ever with the catchphrase are you having a laugh uh, I really like that stuff, but then when I rewatch the first series, it's 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 good, uh, and the the Christmas special, uh, as it was when it was on air, that ends it where um, Ricky Gervais's character goes into the Big Brother house is is great. It's really because uh, the the thing with extras is the kind of relationship between him and his friend and Maggie, and that really sort of gets put through the ringer in that. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good show. I mean, I, I like Ricky Gervais, and I think that's Derek is the, the thing he did after that, which I don't know how how much that's that's gone down in America, but that's good as well. Yeah, if people like Seinfeld, uh, they'll like Extras because it has that kind of cringeworthy humor. That oh, you're like, oh my doesn't. god! Oh yeah, I mean, there's generally one moment in each episode that's just like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Now, and the next question, if uh, let's just say you're stuck on a desert island and there's no power, uh, what's the one book or set of books you'd want to have with you? Well, it would, for me, of course, be comics. And I, I always come back to Doom Patrol, Grant Morrison. And, and now, I mean, I, if you like weird and you're not down with uh, Gerard Way's run yet, I highly, highly recommend it. And if you did enjoy Grant Morrison's run, you're going to love it because it taps into a lot of that. Uh, I mean, you've got, you know, this this sentient ambulance driving around. Danny, formerly Danny the Street, who was a sentient transvestite street, is now a a sentient ambulance that this, uh, this kind of dodgy alien 
conglomerate are trying to use him. I don't know quite how the practicalities of this, but they, they managed to turn him into meat to sell. Uh, and because he's, it's kind of like infinitely regenerating, this is a very good source for them. And uh, that's the the kind of central thing that's been going on. But you've also got it introduced this character, Casey Brink, who's a, a new member to Doom Patrol. And, and her with Danny are kind of bringing the team back together, with Cliff Steele being the most recognizable one. And it's all out there. And uh, the the villain, the one thing I would say, the villain so far compared to the Morrison runner have not been uh, so nuts. So, um, so I'm hopeful that that, that will uh, kick in a bit when we get to the next arc. But in terms of the, the superheroes and recapturing what what I loved about the Doom Patrol, it's, it's done a great job. And the art by Nick Derrington is, is, is terrific as well. And uh, it's it's, you know, it's completely weird. Uh, but also lots of fun. And uh, Casey Brink kind of grounds it to a degree, although her origins are <laughs> spectacularly out there, which become a, uh, as a re- re- come as a revelation to her in, I think, about issue four. Um, but, yeah, that's Doom, Doom Patrol for me is, is really been, you know, it was back in the day my favorite, and now with that, it's my favorite again. That's a good recommendation, and I, I kind of figured you'd say that, uh, given our last discussion about your love for Doom Patrol. Yeah. Now, what I don't know, and this is you had alluded to this earlier, your beverage of choice when you're relaxing. Well, uh, relaxing is a uh, subjective term when we're talking about vodka, because uh, uh, as described as Alex from comedian Alexi Sale, the poor man's Nintendo, so you can find yourself getting hopped up off it and bouncing around the room. Uh, depending on the mood you're in and how much you consume, but uh, it can be relaxing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, something else I've got into, which if I'm if I'm just having like a drink, a drink to chill, uh, where it, which it can serve that purpose is Better Call Saul, uh, which I'd I'd kind of left and um, I've come back to because of the third. I mean, I I don't binge watch, so it can take me like Luke Cage. I really like, but I haven't got through all of it yet and i kind of wasn't feeling better because all that much and then i came back to it with uh the one where the I, i'm not that clear on the, the the character's names but the older guy that was the parking guy and there's a series all based around oh, it yes mike yeah uh, mike yes and 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 what happened to his son and dodgy cops and all this and this this was great and that has got me back into it and i'm gonna start picking up speed with it now it's 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 a it's a nice show it's on my list. Yes, it's definitely one that I watch every week. I uh, if I don't watch it when it's on, I DVR it and I get caught up. But yeah, that is. I wasn't sure when they first announced that kind of prequel, and I'm like, oh no, are they going to like milk this Breaking Bad thing and screw it up? But mm. this, no, not at all. I mean, it's it's not quite as dark, but knowing where the character was at the end of uh, Breaking Bad, it has that kind of dark undertone like oh man things are going to go south for this guy but it's really a great great show and and seeing mike again yeah yeah i mean if, if you if you weren't aware of the existence of breaking bad i think it it would completely stand alone mm-hmm. um i mean it, the jimmy is uh jimmy ak saw is, is a is a great character with lots of sort of layers to him and uh as as with breaking bad it's it's really sort of well shot and and all that it's yeah it's something i'm I'm into now i think it because i wasn't i wasn't sure about it but the fact that it's you know it's on its third series you know that's a that's a pedigree so it's got to be good absolutely um so sam before we wrap up just if you would tell folks again how they can reach you how they could follow you on your blog and follow geek girl so if you go to facebook geek girl so it's geek so anytime you search Geek Girl, always geek hyphen girl, because there is a, a book called Geek Girl Without the Hyphen, uh, which luckily <laughs> we haven't had any clashes right. over. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, geek hyphen girl uh, Facebook group. Um, you'll see most of the posts on there are from me. So if you want to add me on Facebook, that, that's your easy route to that. Uh, Geekgirlcomics.com, you can get all four issues, digital and print. Uh, there is there is a blog for me. Uh, so if you Google Sam Johnson comics, 
Again, put the comics in there, or you get Samuel Johnson, who wrote the dictionary. Uh, that <laughs> should bring up my blog quite easily for you. And uh, if, you, yeah, if you want to check out the Almighty's, it's almightiesamass.com. All right, excellent. Sam, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure talking to you in this extended conversation. Uh, great to have you on the show again, and hope to talk to you again uh, soon, see how things are going. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Thank you for having me again, Christopher. Okay, that wraps up my interview with Sam Johnson, the author of Geek Girl. Comic book series just wrapped up, and you can get that series online. Follow the instructions as you heard in the podcast. It's been a long day. I've been editing a lot of podcasts, but I got a lot done and in the can. Uh, the family slept for a bit, mom and the little ones, so it was quiet so I can get that finished. But uh, more great conversations coming up. And later this week, as Brit Week continues, I have Anthony Johnston. Anthony Johnston, who worked on The Coldest War hardback, now coming out as softcover and coming out soon as a major motion picture, Atomic Blonde. He's also a podcaster, so we had a great conversation about his podcast. You will not want to miss this one either. More fun to come. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You can reach me on Facebook and Twitter at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. And on my website through email, creatortalks.com. That's creatortalks.com. I post the podcast there. Also, from my website, you can download it from iTunes and from Google Play or go directly there if you wish and leave a review while you're there. It would be much appreciated. Also, you can listen to me on Stitcher. So the podcast is available in many different formats for your listening pleasure while you're on the go or just sitting back and relaxing with a beverage of your choice. And again, I want to thank all my listeners out there for following the podcast. And if this is your first Creator Talks podcast, subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. There's a lot of great comic book conversation and a lot of great conversation with comic book writers and artists. So you can learn about them, how they do their work, and what they like. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.